Scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 40. There's two sections, verses 9 through 20, and then 33 to 34. So it's Exodus 40, 9 to 20, 33 to 34. In your Blue Pew Bible, it's on page 80. Verse 9. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it in all its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron uh, the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father that they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the, the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. Verse 33. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the most uh, memorable experiences uh, that I had uh, with the Lord took place in October 4th, 1997. It was in Washington, D.C. at the National Mall with a, a million men that gathered together to repent and to Worship the Lord. It was sponsored by the promise keeper who promoted men to reclaim their spiritual leadership responsibilities in their families. The event was called Stand in the Gap. There were men from every part of the United States it was just a, a little glimpse of what heaven was going to be like when we worship him as we praise him and lift his name up on high. In the beginning of this six-hour worship service, the moderator asked all of us, what denomination are you from? And all of us shouted, out loud, our denomination. 
It sounds like a bunch of gibberish. Nobody understood what each other was saying. Then the moderator asked a second question. Who do you worship today? And as all one million people in one accord, we all said, Jesus. Wow. That was a tremendous experience. You could sense God's presence there at the malt as we worship the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. See, worship is so very precious. As a matter of fact, God made us so that we can worship Him. It is His desire for us to enjoy His presence as we worship Him. God's also called His people, the Israelites, to worship Him. However, they have forgotten how to worship the Lord. Since they have been slaves in Egypt for many decades, although they have been away from the promised land for some 400 years, God has not forgotten the promise that he has made to Abraham. God promised Abraham's descendants that they will grow and expand like the stars in the skies and, and that he promised that they will be a blessing to the nations. He also promised his people that he will, they, they will have a land for themselves. But there in Egypt, Pharaoh was persecuting God's people because he was threatened by their success. And God's people cried out to the Lord, and God brought Moses to deliver his people out of the bondage of slave. Moses went up to Pharaoh, asking him to let God's people go so that they can go and worship the Lord. The Egyptian king questioned Moses' authority. Moses then said that God of Israel sent him. See, the, the great I am have sent him and has authorized him. Pharaoh did not know the God of the great I am. He sort of disregarded Moses' requests. And then throughout the rest of the book of Exodus, as we've been studying for a number of months, we see this theme being developed, which is, you shall know that I am, that I am Yahweh, the self-existing God, the all-powerful God, Yahweh is here with you. Not only will the Egyptian know that God is the great I am, but also the Israelites will also know that God 
is the great I am. And since Pharaoh challenged God, the Lord showed him as to who really is in charge. We saw that through the ten plates. We saw God's power demonstrated as he parted the Red Sea, allowing his people to walk on dry land. That was a miracle. And when the Egyptian army came pursuing after the Israelites, God released them the departed water. And water came rushing down and drowned all of the Egyptian army. God not only did this for Israel's good, but also for his glory. For the, for the, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 17 and 18, it says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariot and his horsemen. And in response to God's mighty deeds, the Israelites gave glory to God. The Israelites worshiped the Lord. Matter of fact, one of the songs that uh, they sang in worshiping the Lord was recorded in Exodus 15, 2. And it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. Now, when they arrived at uh, Mount Sinai, Moses went up to meet God and to receive the Lord, which provided uh, direction as to how they ought to worship God. And in addition, how they are to live in harmony with one another. And because God, because Moses was up in the mountain for such a long time, that the people became impatient and they decided to build an idol, a golden calf, and to worship it. God, being a jealous God, poured his wrath upon his people. And after they repented, God's people praised the Lord and renewed their covenant to worship the Lord again. They had a new beginning. And as they traveled to the promised land, God commanded Moses to make a tabernacle where God can dwell in and where the people can worship him. It was supposed to be a movable uh, place of worship because God's people was journeying through the wilderness. And today, we have come to the last chapter of Exodus 
we reach the climax of this book where the Lord provided final instructions on setting up the tabernacle. We see that um, this chapter can be divided into three sections. If you have your bulletin, you can open up. Uh, there is a sermon outline there. And the three sections are first, the instructions of the Lord. And secondly, the obedience of Moses. And, and thirdly, we see the Lord's response. And at the very end of this book, we will come to a conclusion that the great I am is who he is, and that we will know the great I am. He is worthy of worship, and his glory will be displayed. So let's look at that first section, the instruction of the Lord, which uh, we can see in the first 15 verses of Exodus chapter 40. Now, this section can be divided into two sections or two parts. The first is uh, we see the setting up of the tabernacle, and the second part is the setting apart for the tabernacle and the priest. So, to, if we were to look back in chapter 39, uh, we see to, that God has raised up craftsmen to make the components of the tabernacles. It was brought to Moses so that he could examine it and to inspect it. It was done according to what God has commanded in Exodus 39, verse 42 and 43, leading into this uh, final chapter, it says, The Israelites has done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord has commanded. They're now all ready, all ready to set up and erect this tabernacle that they've been um, waiting for. As you take a look in chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meetings, on the first day of the first month. Notice that it spells out the exact time when they set up, when they are to set up the tabernacle. It landed on the anniversary, their first anniversary of the Israelites from exiting from Egypt. See, it took them about three months uh, to get from Egypt to Mount Sinai where they received the law. And there, they stayed in Mount Sinai for about nine months and, and they were preparing all the components to make this tabernacle. And we see that uh, it was quite a year that they have had and they've experienced God's presence. They experienced God's presence as as the, 
the pillar of cloud guided them as they went from Egypt to Mount Sinai. They've experienced God's provision as God provided them food through manna each day. That's a lot of that's a lot of food, you know. There was about two million of them. Can you imagine? Hey, you know, let's let's go out for lunch. Uh, let's stop by at the nearest McDonald's. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have two million hamburgers, please. Uh, that's uh, a lot of people to feed, and yet God provided them not only daily food but also water. They had victories uh, as they had. Uh, were confronted with enemies. God indeed showed that he was the great I am. He has displayed his glory time and time again. And I'd like to challenge you. As you recall back during the past year, how has God provided for you? How has God guided you? How has God protected you? How has God blessed you? How does God answer your prayers? And may you say, indeed, God is the great I am, and he is worthy of worship. Now that we um, have all the elements of the tabernacle completed, God instructed Moses to set up or assemble the tabernacle. All the furnishing were now to be set up in place, starting in the inside of the holies of holies with the Ark of the Covenant. Then they set up furnishing inside the holy place, with the table of showbread and the lampstand and the altar of incense. Again, we can see this in verses 3 to 5. And it says, Place the ark of the testimony in it and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Art of the testimony and put the curtains at the entrance to the tabernacle. And after setting up all the furnishing in the holy of holies in the holy place, he goes on to give instructions as to setting up the furnishing outside with the altar as well as the labor. And we see that in the next couple of verses. And finally, the fence that went up around the tabernacle. And after setting up the tabernacle, God provided instruction on setting a part of the tabernacle as well as the priest, as we see in verses 9 through 16. So after identifying all of the elements and where they ought to go. Now, Moses was instructed to consecrate the tabernacle and his furnishing. And we see this recorded in verses 9 to 11. 
The word consecrate really means set apart for God's use. May we consecrate all that God has entrusted to us. Already, all that we have belongs to the Lord. And may we set it apart for the use of God. It might be our home. May we say, Lord, we recognize that you have given us our house, and I want to offer it up to you for your use. And may I invite people into my home so that they might experience the love of Christ. Or you might say, Lord, I recognize that you have given me my car. I want to set it apart and use it to transport others that are in need. Well, Lord, I recognize that you have blessed me with a whole wardrobe of clothes, and I have so much that I need to donate some of it to those that might be in need. You see, it's a total different perspective. If we see what we have belonging to God versus belonging to ourselves. God's entrusted all that we have, and may we use it to bring glory to God. May we consecrate it. May we set it apart and say, Lord, this really belongs to you. And it should be used for your purpose. And we see in this passage here, not only to... We're the furnishing consecrated to the Lord, but God also gave instructions to consecrate the priests, which were Aaron and his sons. And we see this in verses 12 and 13. It says, bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tents of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garment, anoint him. And consecrate him so that he may serve me as priest. Before the priests were able to serve God's people, they had to be cleansed and consecrated. They needed to be set apart for service for the Lord. In 1 Peter 2.9, the Bible says that we as God's people, that we are his chosen people, a royal priesthood. God also wants us, as his priests, to be set apart for his service. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Lord calls us also his ambassadors. We are to represent the Lord on this earth. And we must dedicate and consecrate ourselves to the Lord for his service. You see, we are created to serve the Lord and not for ourselves. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's provided us with many talents. He has given us different Opportunity to serve him, and may we take advantage of serving him. We are also bought with a price. We're saved from the condemnation of hell. We actually owe our lives to the Lord. 
may we seek to please him. In 2 Corinthians verse 5, verse 15, it says, And he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. May we make ourselves available to be used for the kingdom of God, sitting apart ourselves for him. There are many opportunities in the church that... Uh, we could serve him. Uh, there are ushering new people as uh, they come into the sanctuary. If you play instrument, uh, you might uh, be able to use that for the kingdom of God on the worship team. If you have a gift of teaching, uh, there's many opportunity to teach. You could disciple young people or, or youth. You could do childcare in Parents' Night Out, which uh, took place yesterday. You could help out with the, in the audio booth upstairs. And you have uh, artistic skills. You might help us with uh, designing posters. If you have a shepherding heart, uh, you could uh, serve as a small group leader. God's gifted all of us with different gifts. And may we consecrate ourselves by offering ourselves up to the Lord for his service, for it is an act of worship. But we're reminded in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brother, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of worship. God uh, had a special task for Moses. He has commanded him to erect the tabernacle. And we see that after receiving the instruction from the Lord, that the second part of the sermon talks about the obedience of Moses. When God made it clear as to what God, what Moses need to do, Moses was quick to obey. Moses carried out the instructions that God has given to him. A good summary can be seen in verse 16. If you could uh, turn to chapter 40, verse 16, it says, Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Seven more times in this chapter, Moses said that he, he did just exactly what God commanded him to do. We see this in verse 19, in verse 21, verse 23. Verse 25, verse 27, verse 29, verse 32. And if we were to even go back to chapter 39, there are 10 other additional occurrence where it states that the workers there did as the Lord commanded Moses. 
This word commanded really occurred 18 times in Exodus 39 and 40, these last two chapters of Exodus. And it reminds us that all these workers, including Moses, they did what God has told them to do. Moses was a faithful servant who did all that God told him to do. And this reminds me to, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 6, it says that we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but do not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk in Jesus as, Je as Jesus did. Now, if we claim that we know God, then we would obey him. I know that um, there are two areas that most Christians struggle to obey. One is prayer. And secondly is witnessing. Matter of fact, these two areas uh, I personally also struggle with. I could preach a, a pretty good uh, message on prayer and witnessing. However, to, uh, if I don't really practice when I preach, it doesn't mean a thing. I would be a liar when I say I know him and not obey him. And a few years ago, God really convicted me to, of the need to really work hard, much harder in these two areas. Confess my sin before the Lord, and, and I ask that He would help me to be obedient in these two specific areas. He helped me to be more disciplined in praying and trusting Him. And secondly, that I would uh, be more courageous in being obedient to Him by being a witness to those that are around me. And gradually, God helped me. In these two areas. Now I pray regularly. I pray for each member here every week by name, lifting you up in the Lord. And I've just experienced so much more of God's power during the past several years. I've been intentional in building relationship with my neighbors, which gives me a platform to talk about the Lord. And I challenge you to be obedient to the Lord. God has revealed different things that we are to be obedient to him. And may we be obedient to him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to experience that he is indeed the great I am. If we claim that we know him, we must also obey him. 
in verse uh, 33, it says that Moses finished the work. All that God's commanded, all those instructions, all the very specific, intricate details Moses carried out, every step of it, says he has totally completed all that God has instructed him to do. And after the Moses obeyed God, we see the response of God. Let us take a look in verse 34 and 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meetings, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meetings because the clouds had settled upon it, and the, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So up to this uh, period, the Israelites have seen glimpses of God's glory. They've seen the glory of God as God delivered them out of Egypt. They've seen the fire and the smoke on Mount Sinai, but yet they have not seen a close, visible manifestation of God's almighty glory. They're waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise as recorded in Exodus chapter 29, verses 44 to 46. Let me just read that to you. And it says, So I will consecrate the tent of meetings and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his son to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their gods. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Just in this verse, in, in, in Exodus uh, 34 and 35, it says, God's glory came to the tabernacle and filled it. And we see this cloud that was present. It symbolizes God's presence. Now this cloud dwelled among them. Wow, that was a really awesome sight. As people recognize God's presence, they find great security. You know, God has um, blessed me with uh, five uh, grandkids, and, and each one of them uh, have their security blanket. Um, when they're... Um, when, when they're upset or when they're um, disturbed, uh, they need their security blanket. Uh, and it gives, and just kind of calm them down. It comforts them. And they, they, they're able to have security. Well, my oldest uh, grandchild, Abby, she has this wrinkled up, worn out towel that has holes all over it. Uh, but yet, she still keeps it close to her because it gives her great security. You know, Christ gives us security. May we recognize he is close by. And when we know of his presence, that we can be comforted, that we can be calm 
in the midst of chaos because he is in control. He is the great I am, and we can't find security in him. Well, where is God's glory today? I believe that the Bible says that the body of every true believer is the temple of God. God does dwell in his people. And it is our responsibility to glorify God in all that we do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And we as God's ambassadors, may we represent God well and may we glorify him. For this is an act of worship. We've seen in these final few verses of chapter 40 that, that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And we see in the final couple of verses that the glory of the Lord guides his people. Let's take a look in verses 36 to 38. It says, In all the travels of the Israelites, Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. Until the day it lifted, so the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travel." Every day, the people were able to see that cloud, which represents God's presence. When it moves, then the Israelites are to move. When the cloud stops, then the Israelites were to stop. And wouldn't that be really nice if God had a cloud, you know, directing us where we are to go? Well, uh, although that might not be possible, God has, also, God has given us direction through the Bible, His Holy Word, which is a manual for living. There are many things that God has made very clear in His Word as to what His will is, His guidance, His direction. May we be like Moses. May we, as God, make those Directions, instructions clear to us that we would obey him, obey all that he has commanded to us. Now, if we are not willing to do that which God has already revealed to us, well, why should God reveal more of his direction to us? Now, if your best friend were to tell you that she loves seafood, and if you guys could hang out together... If you choose not to go to a seafood restaurant, well, why, why should that close friend reveal to you more what is in his heart or her heart? May we, uh, if we want to understand God's will, his direction, his guidance, may we be obedient to what God has revealed to us 
first. And may we also seek to please him. A verse that uh, I'm reminded of uh, is in Psalms 37.1. It says that, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. We delight in the Lord by pursuing to know God and to obey him. And when we seek God's heart, God will give us what is in our heart. God desires to guide us. Many times, we want to be in control, and we might say we want God's guidance, but we want to be in control. But uh, may we be one to trust Him and seek His direction, seek to please Him, and He will make His path clear to us. May we pursue Him by knowing that He is the great I Am as we obey Him. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, um, it's been a great study going through the book of Exodus. And you've taught us that uh, you are indeed the great I Am. You've displayed your glory. You've displayed your power, Lord. May we remember that you're always there for us. Because of who you are, may it challenge us to be obedient to you. For we know that you live in us and that we are to represent you well. Help us to honor you and glorify you. And as we do so, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.